Hello everyone, my name is Phil Calvert and a very warm welcome to the Financial Advisor Mastermind and Challenge. Throughout this week, advisors, leading experts and consultants to the financial planning profession are sharing amazing insights into just what makes a world-class financial advice business. Today I'm delighted to be speaking with someone who is an expert on helping executives and business people to speak and present themselves with confidence. She's a former presenter on GMTV, Sky and BBC News and in addition to her business, Crystal Business Coaching, she's also a consultant and visiting professor at INSEAD in Paris. Please welcome Jackie Harper. How are you, Jackie? I am great. Fantastic to be here. <laughs> great to see you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, so just first of all, let's uh, hear a bit more about your backstory. I know you were, um, you presented the BBC News for about nine years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I worked for all of the networks, really, but the BBC for the biggest chunk. And I did the breakfast show, which meant getting up at 3 a.m. Um, I had a chat show on BBC Two for a while, which was good fun, you know, politics, pop music, fashion, uh, which was also good fun. Um, but really, when people think of me and my television career, it's probably news, BBC News, um, interviews. I started in the regional news. I did the national bulletins. Um, and, and then I did jump ship. I went to the commercial uh, station. I went to GMTV, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, quite different working in the commercial uh, environment. Uh, you get a lot more money on clothes. <laughs> clothes and makeup, you do a lot better on the commercial side. Yeah. Um, again, it was breakfast television, which was really, really good fun. Um, and I also did work at Sky News as well. And their bulletins, you know, well, they're not really bulletins. You're on air three hours mm. uh, and it's rolling news. And, and that is really fast paced, full of adrenaline, huge fun. I really I mean, over those years, you were doing that for quite a long time. Can you remember any of the, the big stories that, uh, of the day that, that you broke? Yeah, so I remember, well, just watching earlier this week, there was an anniversary of the Satanic Verses. And I remember in my very early careers, all the book burning, you know, we were there when there was the book burning was, was going and then the fatwa came and, and, and that whole story grew. And it's interesting that that, that, that uh, is right now in the news. Um, uh, there were also riots um, in the 90s. Uh, you know, some of the really big stories in London, we, we were there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it, there's something about being in a newsroom and you can actually see it very tangible when a huge story breaks, everybody dumps what they're doing, we throw out the running order and then we just completely regroup. And it ha I mean, it happens in minutes. We send out crews to get the story, we start to get uh, phone feeds. I mean, it really is, um, obviously sometimes these are terrible stories, you know, they're bombings, uh, there are things that are utterly dreadful, but in terms of, of being a, a television journalist, it, you are just so alive in those moments. How do, how do you feel that um, today's TV journalists are, are handling the whole Brexit thing? Uh, it seems to be just non-stop all the time at the moment. And as we speak today, I think the BBC are trying to sort of redress the balance a bit and try and present some of the things that consumers want to hear about. How, how do you feel they're getting on with it? Yeah, well, it was interesting. I think it was this morning on the Today programme, um, John Humphreys was saying, and today, it's important, breaking news, no interviews about Brexit. And it really is. It's just been 
utterly saturated but it is a big deal this is one of the biggest stories in our generation and you can't not try to give people an understanding of what it means where we're going we, we don't feel like we've got very far because nothing has actually happened um, so I, I do understand why there's been such uh, such extensive coverage you know and quite thoughtful coverage but as a human being even I am a journalist and I'm actually sick to death of hearing the word Brexit um, and it, I think it's refreshing that, that they are hearing, they are recognising that people are just fatigued yeah. uh, by the endless conversations, but followed by nothing really changing. I think that's what really bothers people. Yeah. Now, when you uh, came out of um, journalism um, with, the, with the big organisations, uh, you and I have worked together. Uh, we worked out um, with a bank in um, New York uh, shortly after 9-11 and another bank out in, in Amsterdam as well, uh, which were great times. Um, but I'm quite also interested in your, your work that you do at INSEAD. I, I guess there'll be a number of people who aren't entirely sure what that is. Tell us what yeah. it is and, and what you do. I might need to even mention who INSEAD are because they're not really a household name. You know, they're an unusual university because it's only a business school. Uh, no English department, no music department. It's all about business. And so you've got your MBA programs, you've got executive education, which I do a lot of work in. Um, and it's a very high, it's a very um, top university. I mean, I would say that our rivals, friendly rivals, uh, would be Harvard Business School. You know, it is right at the top in terms of global business schools. And, and I teach on the MBA programs, uh, leadership presence, uh, business communication, and I do a lot on the executive education. And sometimes those are um, executive MBAs, but they are also bespoke programs um, with, with global leaders. And one of the things I absolutely love about INSEAD, it, I mean, when you say global, it's kind of one of those words, it, what, what do you mean? But when I go there, you know, there's a classroom of maybe 50 participants with 30 plus nationalities from every single continent. I mean, it truly is a, a global environment and, you know, it's a place for excellence and they keep me on my toes. They help me to develop my, my work and my own game. Um, and I find that work fabulous. I just enjoy it so much. It's interesting to see business skills uh, and how they've developed. And I think in terms of the skills that you have and, and what you teach, certainly in the early days, it was, it was more a thing around presentation skills, which are clearly important. And actually, although we're living in an internet, internet age now, personal presentation skills seem to be becoming even more important. People want to see the whites of their eyes. But I'm increasingly hearing this phrase, um, executive presence. What exactly is that? Yeah, yeah, I'll try and demystify it for you. So presence for me is two components, internal presence and external presence. And the internal presence is kind of, you know, our thinking, our thoughts, um, you know, what we're feeling as we're going into a meeting, sitting down at the desk with a, with a client, you know, what's going through your mind. Um, and, you know, that shapes hugely your presence, how you show up. Um, and then the external presence is probably what you've just just said. So that's very much uh, voice and body language. Um, but it's also 
um, looking at the message as well. And you know, I'm a journalist, so it's looking at how you express ideas, how you make them memorable. And you know, with IFAs, they are it's important for them to be very clear in the messaging, really clear about the of the information that they're sharing with clients or explaining to clients. So I, I see presence. Um, executive presence as being those two things and really executive presence is about achieving when I'm developing it is about achieving mastery uh, mm. in your presentation skills and presence is absolutely if you've got those two things developed to quite an extent um, you're on your way really it, it is really quite powerful interesting and, and I know I'm, I might even pick this statistic up from you some years ago but it's it's a statistic I've been carrying around for many, many years now. But apparently presentation skills training, um, more people bunk off at the last minute on presentation skills courses than just about anything else. Because quite frankly, it's not everyone's idea of fun, is it? No, no. I mean, people will think about presentation training, um, you know, a coercive side. You know, you've got to, you've got to <laughs> And also there's a slightly kind of, well, I don't really need it. You know, I can talk. I'm a great communicator. Um, and you, you do get quite a lot of this kind of mm, suspicion, not quite sure if it's of any value. And I hope that, you know, when I get people in front of me, that they can see the huge value of presentation training. And, and today presentation training has moved on. It's about how you present ideas. So um, it's not just about standing up and speaking on a platform. It's about communicating online and your online presence, uh, communicating on the phone. And presence even shows up in email. And in terms of um, our, our business communication, the most prevalent form of communication is the email. Mm. And so your presence is what people think about you, what lingers when you're not there, you know, after the event's done, after you've put the phone down. That's interesting. So just to give us a bit more about um, how it shows up in email, because I, I mean, I came across a fantastic piece of software um, not all that long ago called uh, Crystal Nose. Oh, and um, it's a piece of AI, plugs into LinkedIn first and foremost, and also plugs into your email as well. And it uses, uh, and it's incredibly accurate when you are about to send an email to someone or a message to them on LinkedIn, it tells you what sort of words, phrases, and approach you should take with this particular person. Right. Which is, is cheating a bit, but I guess it help, But I guess it helps. But for an ordinary person in business communicating by email, what are the what are the sort of things that they could be thinking about in terms of their presence? Right. Well, um, we'll do a little little challenge at the end so i can explain this in detail a little bit later but i think it's about being really clear who are you at your essence what is your purpose um, and how how does that show up every day and once you have real clarity on that this is big stuff this is stuff that you really need to take time with reflect and check in with other people um, then you've got something to take in a real clear guide for your email so for example i've got a um, uh, when I think about my purpose, my purpose, which took me ages to discover, is to help people soar, you know, to, and, uh, and not as in soar a piece of wood, soar up in the air and fly, <laughs> okay? And, 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 and that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do with my book. That's what I want to do when I'm teaching, is to help people um, really to, to just really soar in what they do. 
Um, so for me, it's about moving. It's it's about moving um, yourself um, in in terms of your emails. You know, get, having a template. So for example, I've got uh, a thing about myself that whenever I show up in a meeting or on a conference call, I will be professional. I'll be confident and I'll be warm. Okay. When I'm writing an email, sometimes I just knock out this email and I think, you know what, it's all professional, everything's there, but there's no warmth in there. I'm not really connecting. So I will check myself and pause and add something that just has some warmth to it and makes it feel like two people connecting rather than just, just the functional thing of getting the job done. That's interesting. So are you to some extent alluding to a kind of personal branding that shows up every time you communicate with someone whether it's by email whether it's on the phone and you're saying you need to consciously think about what am who am i and what am i trying to get across absolutely you got it in one you know it is about every every call every email every meeting that there's a constant presence that you have really thought about what that is for you. Everyone's different. We have everyone will have different qualities that will matter to them. Um, and I and I encourage people when they're thinking about their presence. Um, there's a fabulous phrase of kind of you know um, dwell in the place of possibility, uh, and I, I love that. So it's about taking away this I, I can't I, you know maybe I couldn't of, of these beliefs that restrict us and actually just letting it go if you're gonna soar you gotta let the chains go and really be who you are and I think when you start to dwell in the pace of possibility that's your best self you know who who you are when you everything is working um, that's where you start with this whole presence branding thing and it is something that's constant once you've figured it out it's something that you are you stay with that sounds like a change to the way the corporate world has traditionally wanted people to present themselves. When you and I have, have worked together, there are, there are certain basics that we try to teach people in terms of how they present themselves. And quite often it, it models a corporate approach or a corporate vibe. But there does seem to be a trend now that organizations are actually encouraging people at all levels to let some of themselves come through in how they present themselves i think that's right and i think at the heart of that change is this business about um communicating generating trust leaders who we can trust what they say their ideas and we can trust their vision and you only get that trust when you see the whole person and i think you know communication now is about being authentic you know they go hand in hand this whole business of who you trust and, and, and why you trust someone if you feel they're authentic and we, we were talking off air about um about the oscars and you know olivia coleman a fabulous uh, oscar-winning actress is a great example in my mind of someone who is utterly authentic it's very rare in business that you get someone who is able to be totally unguarded she sees it she reacts she says what's on her mind and she utterly trusts herself it's very courageous she trusts herself in that moment that she will be fine and you know what she is is good enough and she's utterly endeared us to uh you know to her as a result yeah, yeah. of that and i think in business you know we all talk about the vuca world it's volatile it's uncertain it's complex it's ambiguous 
And on top of that, we've got Brexit uncertainty. So this idea of connecting to people and trusting people and the people that lead us is crucial. My, my dad always used to say to me, you know, people buy people. They always have done and they will do, um, however you are choosing to communicate. I certainly remember we used to do a presentation skills training where there was a right way to stand. Uh, there was a right place to look. There was a right intonation in the voice. But it, it's, and much of that is still important. But when we now look at leaders like, Gary Vaynerchuk and we look at people like Elon Musk who are at almost the extreme ends of personal presence it's quite I suppose we I suppose we're living in a much more informal business world now yeah informal and diversified you know what is good communication you know is different in different in different sectors and in different people and I, I, I welcome the fact that we haven't got this very narrow view of what good communication or good presentation now looks like and that the, the focus is is actually really connecting you know with who you're talking to and and, and attention you know really giving people your attention uh, it's interesting i think well we have um i think what was it there's a wonderful uh, headline that human beings have um a, a lower attention span than a goldfish and <laughs> goldfish has nine seconds and all we have eight seconds uh, and, and the thing is you know attention is important you know to be able to communicate with people you need to be able to give them your attention you to notice nuances you know they give us information uh, about how they're responding about whether we are actually getting anything in terms of trust from the conversation that we're having and you know attention is a really important part of developing communication but perhaps we could explore that one a little bit. I mean, attention's not just about being really good at listening, is it? That, that's part of it. No, it is about holding attention. Um, and uh, I mean, if, if we've got eight seconds, the average time a human being can hold attention, you know, you, that presents quite a lot of challenges. So people get distracted quite easily. If you are preparing for a presentation or a meeting, you can waste an awful lot of time when you're doodling and getting distracted and not noticing when you're getting distracted. So it's noticing when something's changing, when your attention is not there. That's one thing about being, you know, really, really um, economic with your time. But it is also about being in a space where you can really see what's going on and you can be attuned to the people around you and you can build relationships that are just deeper. Yeah. In, in terms of communication, a lot of uh, presentation skills and communication skills coaches it's very much about storytelling um, these days and I was just I'd be interested to explore that with you because um, yes human beings are hardwired to listen to stories um, is, is it as simple as that just being able to be a good storyteller yeah, stories are utterly irresistible. Our brains just love stories because they give us patterns that we can latch onto and connect to ideas. And also, if the story is told well enough, all the different senses in the brain are fired up. You know, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Um, all of that is going on. So I think the issue for me with storytelling is there's a rather a lot of it, and it's not always great. Mm -hmm. and, and I think in business, 
I think you've got a little bit of a time span issue. You can't spend forever telling a story. It needs to be almost journalistic and TV-like. Really quite short, really quite focused, um, so that it, you hit the spot pretty quickly and then you get onto the point of the story. Mm. So that, you know, I come from a, an industry that's built on storytelling. You know, news stories are, are, are what makes my industry. The Oscars, there's another industry. It's movies are just fabulous stories on a big screen. Um, we have an irresistible pull for stories, but I think people need to look at how effectively they're telling them uh, and how effectively they're using them. And I think if you've got 10 stories in a business presentation, that's probably rather too much, probably. Yes. <laughs> Some people can do it. I hate to be prescriptive because I say that and I'll go to a presentation and somebody will lace it with lots of stories and it'll work. So I don't want people to think it can never work, but you would have to work pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. You've got so many. Now you, you do a lot of executive coaching and that often sounds like it's something that's only really um, of relevance or taken up by what senior senior executives in very large organizations but i'm imagining the same techniques can apply to anybody in business uh, a small business owner perhaps a, a small financial advice firm how could coaching help them yeah well i would say big time um when I was uh, being trained as an executive coach, um, it took a year, we liked to do a master's degree, and it was very rigorous, but there were people in the room that were life coaches. They were not gonna go on to work in the business. And I would encourage any um, IFA who wants to develop themselves, you know, you, you just know there are some things that are just getting in your way. You know, maybe you get ready for a presentation, you get really nervous, or you don't speak up in meetings. Or you, there'll be something that you're doing in business that, that, that you could do better, or you could, you know, you could, you could challenge uh, and improve on. And life coaches are a huge source. I mean, uh, you need to, you know, be a bit careful because the, the word coach yeah. uh, has got a label that seems to fit all kinds of uh, people and uh, backgrounds and qualification. But I think if you're discerning, I would encourage life coaches if there's something that's, that, that really they think they could address to explore life coaches because they're not, it's not the same price band. You know, executive coach, you know, the whole thing, the engagements are three months, six months. Um, and, and the way that you work in a corporation, you know, in terms of keeping all the records, providing lots of research material for your clients, you know, a life coach wouldn't have to do. But the actual technique about um, how you get adults to change behavior, they have that. It's, there's a, a, a more and more financial advisors and financial planners. Um, quite a lot of them don't like being the, the word coach being used, but most of them freely admit that the work they do with clients now is more akin to coaching in some shape or form. Um, it's rather less about sticking together investment plans. Obviously, that's part of it. But yeah. a lot of it is around helping clients to discover what they want out of life that maybe they've forgotten is something they wanted and to communicate with them in a way that really lifts them and, and, and gets them to pay attention. So it's certainly skills they could be learning, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, when I think about IFIs, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, it's about money and sorting people out. And I, I think it's something much more special and much more interesting than that. It's about dreams. I mean, it's about what I'm going to do when I retire and there's a new chapter with adventure and interesting things to do. Or it's about, you know, the people that I love being in a new home and starting a new chapter in that sense. Yeah. But, you know, IFAs have this one rather wonderful job and really interesting opportunity to help people uh, fulfill their dreams. Uh, and so, as you say, the whole interaction between the IFA and, and, the, and the potential client is about discovery, you know, listening to the language, what are the needs, what are the emotions that, you know, that client is really is really expressing and really what you're doing is help them to find the solutions that help them meet their dreams so it is coach like yeah you know, in, in, in the activity if, if, if you're a financial advisor and you're sitting face to face with a client either in your office or their home or or wherever yeah. and you need to connect with with these people in in a way that they want to trust you they like you, they're happy to share. What sort of techniques could advisors be thinking about? What could they be doing face-to-face -face in a room? What sort of techniques could they be thinking about that could start to really up their game in terms of how they communicate? Right, so it's all about connection. So um, uh, in terms of the body, um, one of the things that you can do is the eye line. You know, eye contact is so powerful. Just making the connection and looking into the person's eyes, the whites, um, is hugely powerful. I think in terms of connection, you can also look at the way that you um, the way that you question people, so that the way that you um, get to understand their story. So that's what you're really trying to do. What their story is 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 uh, and what it has been to date is also part of where they're going. So it's it's really about what does this what really matters to this person and who is this person you know give yourself the space to find out who you're really talking to um as well as understanding uh, what they need i think also you know we talked about a bit about being a bit open yourself and there's a wonderful kind of concept of the power of vulnerability and what i mean i don't mean to burst into tears in front of your client what i mean is about you know who you are is good enough and maybe sharing some of your stories um, just being you know your authentic self um, still professional obviously this is a, a professional conversation but it's a personal conversation and the territory you're in is deeply personal yeah um, so I would encourage uh, IFAs to look at connections you know what they're talking about themselves what they're sharing about themselves the other thing I would say, and this sounds a little bit crazy, um, it's about pausing, okay? Pause, shut up! <laughs> so that you can really hear what people are saying. Yeah. Um, you know, when you pause, you're also processing and you're also thinking, but you're also giving space to the person that you're talking to. And that, you know, these are quick hits that you can, you can yeah. do to help you connect um, with people. I have another one. I have one more, which is oh, yeah, yeah. slightly unusual one. So this is this is a new one that one of my colleagues at INSEAD introduced me to, and it's the attitude of gratitude. And when I first came across this, um, my colleague said, "Yeah, yeah, it's part of business communication. We're helping people to you know 
practice um, gratitude. And I thought, yeah, right, how, what, why, all of those sort of things. And, and I looked into it a bit more and there's compelling research that actually if you practice the actual act of gratitude daily, so this might be writing it down, some people, you know, in a religious uh, context will pray, you know, prayer of gratitude, um, that it actually impacts your presence. It actually impacts your social interaction. And I jokingly say to people, when I practice gratitude to my husband, you know, I'm a lot nicer to him. <laughs> but the research is staggering. University of Berkeley has a, a happiness center. And, and that's looking, is they're doing lots of research into gratitude and how it impacts us as uh, human beings and also as leaders. Mm. And they're looking, they're using fMRI scans to see what happens to the brain when we practice gratitude. And I'll just mention one bit of research which I came across, which was um, they got uh, the participants of the study to write for 21 days a letter of gratitude. And they found the results were remarkable, that their people had enhanced empathy, you know, their social interaction with other people uh, was better. So I share that with IFA. <laughs> Think about it, keep an open mind. The research is quite compelling. That's, a really, that's really interesting. Um, you're not the first person I've heard say something like this. I know Tony Robbins is a, is a great exponent of gratitude. He says, when you are being grateful for something, it is impossible to feel grumpy about something else. Um, and it's a great way of changing your state and your physiology. Very, very true. Yeah. Very now, you've, you've developed some interesting ways of coaching people as well. I, I, I heard about your walk and talk coaching. Tell us, tell us about how that works. Oh, that's such fun. Um, so this was inspired by my son. I have a, a teenage son who just grunts. Oh, mom. Oh, oh. I mean, just doesn't say anything, my son. The, the boy is transformed. Uh, we live in, in, in Yorkshire, in, in the Dales. When we go walking, suddenly this non-communicative soul I can't shut him up. I hear all the things about his dreams, about his friends. And, and, and I thought, that's really interesting. I mean, it can't just be Philip. Mm. And so I started um, talking to some of my clients. They're all in the city. And I thought it'd be a good idea to just go out for a walk. Um, and it, often in the city, it's a park. Um, or, you know, if you're in Yorkshire, you, know, you do have the beautiful dales. And I've noticed something absolutely fascinating, that the quality of the conversation is quite different. There is something about sitting across a desk at someone uh, and the connection you make and the nature of the conversation that is very different to when you're walking alongside. You've got loads of uh, oxygen filling your body, um, but people disclose more. You know, we get, to, we get to issues that are quite tricky quicker. Uh, when we do the walk and talk coaching um, and so I do quite a lot of it I, I don't you know some I offer it to clients but some are really not interested yeah many will give it a go it's, it's fascinating I've heard of some financial advisors in the United States who as part of their just their proposition they do local walks with clients and they've reported something very similar as well um, they tend not to do it for a first meeting, but once you've got to know a client in terms of building and strengthening the relationship, just the simple act 
act of doing something physical together, the fresh air, it, it really does aid the, the, the relationships. Absolutely fantastic. That's great to hear, actually, because it kind of reinforces, you know, my experience um, of walk and talk coaching. I'd love to uh, love to hear some financial advisors give that a try and, and report back. Now, you've got a book out, which I hear is doing very well. Tell us about it. Oh, right. So my book, um, can I show them? Can I show oh, them? Please do. Oh, please do. Right, it's just here on the shelf. <laughs> Hi, IFAs. <laughs> this is my book. It's called <laughs> Executive Presentations. Uh, develop presence to speak with confidence and skill. And our conversation really has been around this issue of internal presence and external presence. The book is really a manual for the mastery of, of business presentations. You really want to get on top of them. Mm. It's also a really easy read. I'm a journalist. I need to get to the point quick. I need to get people interested. So I've written the book. When I wrote the book, I was muttering. I was, I was tapping around the key. And so it's, it's like having a conversation with me, really. That's how I've written the book. The ideas are really accessible. They're also road tested. You know, I've been in the business 20 years, training people in communication myself. Um, so I know these are ideas that people can use and that can make a massive difference. And, and where I'm going with the book is to help people soar, you know, as speakers, to really do be their best self as speakers. It's been fun. And it's, I, mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's, it's been giving me a great sense of purpose writing the book. And I feel... Yeah, yeah. I'm serving a need that, that is still very much uh, out there. I think one of the, one of the main themes I've, I've heard mentioned about this is that when you do get on top of this, some of the best ones are where people are their authentic, their most authentic self. And maybe this is going back to what we were talking about earlier, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. When you get to mastery, you kind of don't worry about the rules. You've, you've got the kind of key things under your belt and is about, it is about you showing up totally um, and compellingly in front of a person. And I, I just want to mention about the book, I'm so excited because this was a book where I spent months and months on end in a lonely office, wondering if I'd ever finish the book and if it would make any sense. Um, and it has been shortlisted for a National uh, Business Book Award. So I'm really proud of that. And I hope that it will give readers a, a, an understanding that this, this, I've taken a lot of time with this, a lot of care to give people something that really works. Yeah, well, good luck with it. I hope it, I hope it goes well. Now, we're, we're, asking, we're, asking everybody, we're asking everybody if they can set a challenge for the financial advisors watching this. And uh, so what would your challenge be, Jackie? So obviously it's around presence. So this is your challenge. I want you to do a presence audit. And a presence audit is like any kind of audit. You know, you look at data uh, and you end up with, uh, with a report, something that's important. A presence audit is looking at your own presence and it is a three word report. <laughs> it's a very short report. And the idea is that you look at yourself and your presence when you show up in the best way that you can. Um, you know, what three words, what words would describe that? And I would encourage you to brainstorm a bunch of words you know, and I think part one is, is you. What do you think uh, are the words that would describe your presence? And part two is checking in with other people. Yeah. And what would they say? You at your best. What are the words? Because then we tap into some of the blind spots that we are not aware of. Um, and then I think you want to boil it down to three words that you think 
capture your presence. So my presence audit, which was given me by a client actually, um, is professional, confident, and warm. And you know, I show up, you know, when I'm talking to you, when I'm on the phone, uh, when I'm writing emails, when I'm on a, a platform. And it's something about this easy three word report that you can just take everywhere with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've got this guide and this benchmark about you at your best. So I would love you to embrace that challenge to start the process of creating your own uh, presence audit. That's fantastic. It's, that sounds like something, once you've done that, you've got your three words nailed, that really needs to be pinned up so that uh, every kind of communication that you do, email, telephone, talking with colleagues, you're keeping that in mind. Absolutely. Your new best friend, you know, on your phone, uh, on your desktop, anywhere so that you um, that you lean into this and you live it. You know, the idea of having it is that it, you live and breathe it and it's it's consistent wherever you are. Yeah, fantastic. Jackie, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, for everybody watching this today, thank you for your time as well. At the end of this video, you'll have the opportunity to join a private forum where you can take up Jackie's challenge and you can take up lots of other people's challenges as well. You can report back on how you're getting on, uh, ask for accountability partners, and really move forward. So once again, Jackie Harper, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Great to see you. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll see everybody else on the next video. Thanks for watching.